Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome to Pinewood Church. We're so glad that you're starting off your 2020 with us. Uh, For many of you, I know this may have been your resolution, so congratulations, you're winning already. You're like, this is the year I go to church. Well, good job. I'll cheer for you, you're here, and we're so glad that you're here with us today. But this is a new year, not only a new year, it's a new decade, so it's a really, really big deal. If it was just a new year, we'd go just a little big on our goals for this year, but it's a new decade. I know you guys are really stretching yourself. New year, new decade, new you. And if there has anybody, there's gonna be a lot of naysayers in your life. You're gonna tell people your goals. You notice I'm saying goals because apparently I found out last time resolutions are not cool anymore. They're goals now. So your, your goal for this year, you may have some haters out there, but not in this house. We believe in you, not in this house. We believe in you, we love you. We wanna see you succeed in every area of your life. And so if you have a New Year's resolution for your life, we're gonna get behind you, we're gonna come around you, and we're gonna help you succeed. We're a family, we're in this thing together. And maybe after the last sermon, we talked about resolutions, we talked about New Year's revolutions, uh, but more importantly, we talked about themes. So how, how many people in, in the house tonight set a year like word or theme for your 2020? You can raise your hand if you did that. Well, a theme, I think, is a really big deal for our family anyways, because a theme is your overarching vision. And it could be one word, or it could be a very short sentence or a short paragraph, but it's your overarching vision for your year. It's the very thing that helps make decisions. So if this, your theme is, like for mine, my, my word, my theme is health. So if you see me eating Oreos, you know, you can say, hey, brother, like, How's, how's your theme coming? But it helps, but, you, but there's no judgment there. Like you're gonna say it with grace because you know you're eating them too. So it's, like, so it's like you know where the struggle lies, but you're gonna help me through it. But a year theme, the overarching vision for your life, it helps set uh, uh, decisions that you're gonna make. Uh, maybe it helps set uh, some rhythms for your life. Uh, what it does is it gives you a direction, a trajectory, something to shoot for. And so I personally set a theme every year. As you know, mine is health. Uh, and we can unpack that later. But uh, for our family, it is adventure. Uh, our family is a very adventurous family. We like to do a lot of really crazy things. And we were looking back in 2019 and we were like, I think we could have pushed a little harder. I think this 2020 is the year we go all in, which is why we took our kids to El Dorado and we took them on the Death Cliff hike. I don't know if you've ever been on that one. Uh, Rattlesnake Gulch, but just sheer cliffs on both sides. The trail was solid ice. We're like, hey, we're living out our theme right out of the gate. All right, kids, stay on the right side of the trail. But that is the theme for our family. And in addition to that, we always set a church year theme. And this is the theme that it drives the decisions for our church. It tells us what we're gonna say yes to and what we're gonna say no to. It helps set certain initiatives that we have. Our Love Boulder Serve initiative, it helps guide the, that direction for us as well. Does anybody remember our 2019 theme? Make room. Make room. Make room. Our theme was make room, and we talked about it all year. And because we talked about it all year, it was always at the forefront of our mind. And we didn't wanna become a church that was uh, a little like country club or like 
huddlers and you know what I'm saying? We, we didn't wanna just be like, hey, there's, the, there's these 15 of us and we all feel good about that 15. No, we wanted to be a church that was constantly making room. So we would add chairs every week. I can already see from today, we need to make room at our 4 p.m., okay? The theme is gonna can carry over a little bit. But we would always say we need to add more chairs. And then whenever we looked ahead at some of our services that we had, we were like, well, we can't fit everybody in this building, so we're gonna rent out the Fox Theater. We're gonna rent out Riverside. We're gonna rent out other venues so that we can make room for everybody that wants to come. It's also why we went to two services, because the theme was make room. Are y'all ready for Pinewood? 2020 theme? <laughs> the theme for Pinewood 2020 is build a bridge. Thank you. All right, I wanna make this a little active because I want you to remember this as we go through it. We're gonna unpack this over the next several weeks so that you understand why that is our theme. But uh, I'm gonna say build a, you say bridge. Build a. Bridge. Build a. Bridge. Build a bridge. And I am so pumped to be working through this series and to be talking about this theme all year. The series is titled Bridges. Bridges. And the sub-theme of this title of Bridges is taking you from where you are to where God is calling you to go. Bridges, where you are right now to where you feel God is calling you to go. What is God calling you to build in 2020? Have you, yes, thank you. It's good. The Spirit's speaking through them already. Here, a bridge. What is God calling you to build in 2020? Or maybe, where is God calling you to go in 2020? Maybe somewhere outside of your comfort zone or somewhere you've never been or maybe to move overseas as a missionary or maybe move to another city as a church planner. Where is God calling you to go? Maybe it's just across the hall at your work to talk to the coworker you've been meaning to talk to for the last year. Where is God calling you to go? Uh, and then also, who is God calling you to influence in 2020? What is God calling you to build? Where is God calling you to go? And who is God calling you to influence in 2020? You see, I, I like these evaluation questions a lot better than what do I wanna do? Where do I wanna go? And who do I wanna influence? I think that's how we, we set a lot of our themes and that's how we set a lot of our goals. Uh, what do I wanna do? Well, I, I probably don't wanna, you know, sacrifice and give. I wanna, I wanna have all of my money. You see, there's the, the question shifts how you respond and how you act. All I know is, is that in my life personally, I believe with all of my heart that the best decision you can ever make is ask, what does God want me to do over what I want for myself? Uh, I trust God's plan for my life so much more than I trust my own plan for my life. I trust where God wants to send me so much more than where I wanna send myself. Why? Because what God tells me to build, where God tells me to go, who God tells me to influence, I know that I am gonna be walking in God's purpose. I'm gonna be moving with God's anointing and with God's favor. I'm gonna be living on mission. There's gonna be a purpose to my steps, a purpose to the decisions that I make. 
And so just for your own life, what are some questions that you're asking? Is it focused on what God wants or is it focused on what you want? I've been wrestling with this big time in, in my own life because I feel like there's this, there's this tension when we think about God's will for our life. And this tension lies in, okay, and, and this is a big struggle for everyone is, is this my effort? Am I, is, it, is it on my effort or is it on God's plan for my life? Is it, am I, am I seeking God's will for my life because I'm a disciplined per person or is it because God is speaking to me? And there's, it's really hard to navigate sometimes. Have you ever felt when you're trying to seek God's calling on your life, is this me or is this God? Has anybody ever felt that before? I've wrestled with this uh, big time recently. Even my wife and I went on a date this week and I was sharing with her about some of the uh, just goal, personal goals that I have and some of the challenges that I've been having. And, and I told Jess, I was, I was talking about if I were in a room uh, just full of really high capacity, high successful people, which I am right now, hello. And we were all having a conversation about life and our discipline and our rhythms and what we read. Uh, I, I was telling Jess, I was just like, you know, I'm really challenging myself just to be a really high capacity leader, to be a really disciplined person with my time, to be a good steward with what God has given me. I wanna be known as a person who's really well-read, somebody who exercises a lot and enjoys fit. I mean, I, these are things that I, I'm striving really, really hard towards on my own effort. And, and there's, in so many ways, Jess, Jess was like, yeah, why? And I was like, well, it's not the only thing I'm striving for. But I think it's really easy for us to be striving towards all of the right things in the wrong direction. And I think that's what many of us do. We're doing all the right things in the wrong direction and with our own power. Have you ever felt that way? Well, it's, it's my prayer for our house that that's not how we live our life. I don't believe that that is living a life full of purpose. I don't feel like that's living an abundant life. I don't feel like that's living a life on mission. I feel like the best guidance, the best divine direction we can get would be from God. Uh, evaluation questions to consider. I'd like for you to write these down if you can to help kind of gauge, am, am, I, am I seeking God or am I pursuing self here is, am I seeking God in prayer first? And every decision that I make, with every step that I take, am I seeking God in prayer first? Second question is, am I depending on him for the results? Am I depending on him for the results or am I depending solely on myself? If it's gonna get done, it's gonna be because I did it, because I worked hard enough. I'm a self-made human being. All good things in my life are because I was disciplined enough. Or are you depending on God? And then the third thing is when you do achieve the thing that you set out for, or you do get the reward or the trophy, who are you giving credit for it? You know, you need God all the way till the trophy podium. And then it's just like, you know, I just, I just ate really good. Like I've been working out a lot. That's, a very, that's, that's been about you the whole time. 
But when in the very end, it's all about God, no, 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 don't thank me for that. You bless somebody, no, don't thank me for that. It's all God. Any good thing that I have, any good thing in me is all from God. These are, I believe, some self-evaluation questions that can help you. Uh, a beautiful example of this that I think can help you is uh, a physical example of bridges. I'd like to take a look at a couple bridges. These are some of my personal favorites. Can anybody tell me what bridge that is? The Brooklyn Bridge. That's a pretty amazing bridge. I was just on that a couple weeks ago, and from the picture, you're like, oh, that's cool. But when you're there, it's like, whoa, this thing is huge. Uh, another bridge uh, is this one. Which one is this one? There you go, Golden Gate. This is a beautiful bridge as well. Uh, and then my personal favorite, I'm gonna be very impressed if somebody can tell me which bridge this is. Nope. New River Gorge, West Virginia. Amen. <laughs> This is my personal favorite. I love this bridge. Every year they have a, in October, they have what's called Bridge Day. I've actually been, did a lot of rock climbing around the New River Gorge, and they uh, parachute off of that bridge. Hey, shout out. I'm, not yet. One day, okay? One day. I probably shouldn't be parachuting off of bridges in my year of health, okay? Let's, maybe let's save that for... My year of extremes, okay, or something, I don't know. But the bridge represents your journey from where you are to where God is calling you to go. From where you are to where God is calling you to go. And I wanna, I wanna demonstrate this a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it a little extra risky. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Can that little board hold him? I don't know, we're gonna find out. Uh, I'm also gonna draw a little bit tonight, if that's okay. I'm not an artist, so this is not gonna look pretty, but hopefully it can help you understand where we're going tonight. All right, so this is you. You are very skinny in 2020. This is... <laughs> All right, this is you. And then this is the beginning of your bridge right here. It's that ladder. And then there's this very scary place that happens next. And then this is where God is calling you to go. And it's the other side of the bridge. Also has a little scary drop off there. And then in, bet in between is the actual bridge. So this is from where you are to where God is calling you to go. You notice that there's this in-between that looks awful scary? Um, we're gonna call this hot lava, okay? Because you don't wanna step in hot lava. Any parents in the house tonight? This is invisible hot lava. You can see it. It's destruction. It's chaos. You don't wanna walk across and land in destruction. But there's a bridge there. There's, a, there's a, a better way to get to the other side. There's a better way to get from where you are to where God is calling you to go. There is another way, and then there's a better way. 
There's this definition of a bridge is this. A bridge is a structure built to span a physical obstacle, such as a body of water, a valley, or road, without closing the way underneath. It is constructed for the purpose of providing a passage over the obstacle, usually something that can be detrimental to cross otherwise. So there's a way, and then there's a better way. Uh, If you have a Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter one, and we're gonna be looking at the first four verses. We're gonna be looking at the first four verses of Nehemiah chapter one. Towards the beginning of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you a Bible. We have some Bibles in the back. You can get up anytime and grab as many as you want. We can always refill. Take one to your family, take one to your friends, and that would be amazing. We'd love to get the Bible in your hands. Nehemiah chapter one, verses one through four. It says this, during the month of Kislev in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah. And I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant, is in, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for uh, the story of Nehemiah, for the account of, of his life, his, his faithful life, and uh, his courageous actions. And God, I just pray that uh, as we examine Nehemiah's life, that uh, we would really lean into how this could speak to us. Uh, Father, we're grateful how your spirit works. It speaks directly to where we are. And so, Father, we, uh, we lean on you tonight. We pray that you be the teacher and do what only you can and change lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll talk about Nehemiah a little bit. Nehemiah is one of my favorite people in all of the Bible. Something you should know, this is not a story, this is history. This is not a story, this is history. This is a fact. Nehemiah was a real person that lived and he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. He was also a slave and a cup cupbearer in the king of Persia. Now, while granted this was a better job than others, it also was kind of the worst job ever. A, a cupbearer tasted the wine, they delivered the wine, but they tasted the wine before they gave it to the king. Why? Because if it was poisonous, guess who would die? The cupbearer. And this is a person that definitely needed to be trusted. And the cupbearer would deliver, and it was, it was a pretty good position. And, and Nehemiah, he was there fulfilling his role. And then he gets this news from a friend that his people, the Jews, they were in disgrace, that they were broken. And I love Nehemiah's response because immediately after hearing this news, he weeps. He mourns for days, the scripture says. And then what does he do right after he weeps and he mourns for his people? He goes to prayer and fasting. So what happens? Nehemiah gets this news of of these people that he loves so dearly and that, that their walls are down, which means that they're totally defenseless. It also meant that it was a disgrace to the people 
And instead of just saying, man, I hate that for them, you know, I'm in the palace, he was broken for the people. I wanna ask you uh, tonight, what are, what are you broken for? What burden is on your heart? When was the last time you wept over a people, a friend, a family member? I wanna look at his response and I wanna unpack this for just a minute. And the first thing that I wanna see is that he prayed first. There was a prayer without, first thing is this, a prayer without a burden. Prayer without a burden. And, and this is what I want you to see for just a second. We're gonna look at his response and unpack it. Prayer without a burden. This side right here, this first step that you're gonna take, we're just gonna label that prayer. This side we're gonna label a burden. Prayer and a burden. And let's just go ahead and eliminate this middle part right here. Prayer without a burden. Looks a little bit like that. Nehemiah 1.4 says, when I heard these words, I sat down, I wept, and I mourned for a number of days. It's not like he like had one tear fall in the initial reaction. He took this to heart. These were people that he loved and he broke for those people. Who do you have a burden for? When was the last time you wept? I want y'all to help me out with something. Uh, over on this side, I believe that there's two categories of burdens that we can have. We can have a, a burden for one of two things. A people or a cause. More often than not, those two things intertwine. What's your burden? Is it a people or is it a cause? Make it very practical for you. Are you burdened for your family? Are you burdened for the people in this city that are hurting and broken? Are you burdened for the people that are in depression and anxiety? Are you burdened for the people that you work out with at your gym? Are you burdened for your coworkers? Who are you burdened for? Who would you weep over? When was the last time you wept over somebody? Think about that. Are you burdened for the persecuted church who are dying to spread the good news of the gospel all around the world? Who are you burdened for? What about a cause? Are you burdened for the human trafficking that's happening all around the world? Are you burdened for those that don't have clean water, food? Burdened for those that can't read? What are you burdened for? I believe that if you're gonna live for a purpose to go from where you are to where God is calling you to go, I believe that you're gonna have to have a burden. God's gonna have to get a hold of you. There's gonna have to be something that pierces your heart and you're gonna have to say, you know what? I'm gonna lean into that enough that I'm gonna allow it to break my heart. 
A person without a burden is like a bridge without a destination. You're going somewhere, but not going towards the direction of purpose and mission and a cause greater than yourself. Also, a burden is often a catalyst for breakthrough in your life. You'll be surprised that when you become burdened for something, the initiative that swells up inside of you. Have you ever met somebody that's burdened for human trafficking, that their heart's broken over it? It's all they talk about. They're rallying people around that goal. They're raising money to end it. They're spreading awareness. They're starting nonprofit organizations. Why? Because they have a burden to end it. What's your burden? What's your cause? Who in your life would you weep over? Uh, Nehemiah, uh, something that I like to draw from the text is, Nehemiah did not complain when he found out about what was going on. He didn't complain. He didn't say, man, I hate that. Man, I hate that for you guys. Or man, this always always happens to us. He didn't complain, he became the solution and he took it directly to God. One of the things that I love about Nehemiah is that he wasn't a pastor and he wasn't a priest and he wasn't a prophet. Nehemiah was an everyday guy that was a cupbearer to the king. And he got a burden. And he answered the call, didn't complain, and he became the solution to the problem. He didn't say, I wish someone else would go rebuild it. He didn't say, I can't believe the walls are in ruin. Why are those people so lazy? Isn't that what we often respond to? All right, I'm gonna make this, uh, trying to make this very tangible for you. Oftentimes, what we see as a burden is just something we're annoyed about. Man, that frustrates me over there. Man, I, I don't know why the room has to look like that, and I'm gonna stand over here, and I'm gonna talk about why the room has to look like that. I don't know why we can't serve the homeless more, so I'm gonna stand over here, and I'm gonna talk about why we can't serve the homeless more. I'm gonna complain about everybody else in the church that's not serving the homeless. And we're gonna be frustrated about it, And we're gonna complain about it, but we're not gonna be the solution for it. We're not gonna take it to God. We're not gonna reach in our own pockets and put money towards giving to the homeless. We're not gonna take enough initiative for ourselves to start a nonprofit that's helping the homeless. But all day long, man, like my calling is to like complain about this thing. I can promise you now, that is not a calling from the Lord if you're just complaining about problems and frustrations. But I also believe that a frustration can lead to a burden. Something that for whatever reason you just wanna be critical over and complain about, it could very well be the thing that God is calling you to say, I think I'm gonna step in and be the solution there. And you know who is the best to lead and guide you in that direction? The Holy Spirit. I think I'm gonna step in and be the solution. What's your tendency when you see a, a problem? Do you get frustrated? Do you complain? Do you blame someone else? Or do you become the solution? A question that I have is, are you gonna be the bridge? Are you gonna be the one that stands in the gap? This is where you are. This is where God is calling you to go. There's this thing that you feel like God may be burning you over, this thing that you're frustrated about, but are you going to be the bridge and are you gonna stand in the gap? 
Nehemiah said, I'll take this one. I'll lead the charge. And we see that from the text. Next, we see a burden without a prayer. All right. A prayer, prayer without a burden looks like this. A burden without prayer, wait for this, I'm gonna knock something over. Looks like this. You see it? You have, you have the passion. You're pricked about something. Oh, I'm gonna reach my gym. I'm gonna give everything that I have to reach my gym, my running team, my CrossFit team. I'm gonna give everything that I have to spread the gospel around the world, to end human trafficking, to feed the homeless, to counsel those in depression and anxiety, to build community. You have the passion, but you lack the power. You have the passion, but you lack the power. Uh, my mentor, James Fourline, says, anything that does not first start with prayer and fasting is flawed from the beginning. So in other words, your direction that you're moving, your passion, this burden that you have, without prayer, you're making an intentional decision to step out and to try to achieve this thing in your own effort. It's a conscious decision to say, yeah, maybe God has a, has a plan that can help me out with this, but I'm gonna trust my plan over trusting God's plan to succeed in this. A burden without prayer is a journey without divine direction. So you have a burden and you're going somewhere. But are you going with divine direction that God is leading and guiding you to? I think one of the reasons that we do this often is because we trust ourselves more than we trust God. God hasn't been there for me God's failed me over and over and over again. I'm gonna put myself in, I'm gonna put my future in my own trust over trusting in God. Uh, my life verse is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. I, I want God directing this thing. Proverbs 69 says, a person plans his way but it's God who directs his steps. I want God leading I want God's power. I want God directing me in this thing. At Pinewood, we believe that God can do more in a second of prayer than we can do in a lifetime of our own efforts. Say it again. We believe that God can do more in a second of prayer than we can do in a lifetime of our own efforts. So, make it practical. You have a bridge. The people that you're burdened for is your kids. And you say, man, I'm doing everything that I can to love and nurture my kids. I'm doing everything to train them up in the right direction and in the right ways, but you've never prayed for your kids. God can do more in a second of prayer than he can do in a lifetime of your own efforts. If you would just fall to your knees and pray for your kids, God, I pray that they love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I dedicate my kids to you. I trust them in your hands more than I do my own. Amen, parents, anybody out there? God, I want the best for my kids. I want them to serve you. I want them to build church. Even yesterday, I prayed over my kids. God, I can't wait for Sunday. I want my kids to love church. 
What's your first response? Is it prayer? Is it giving it to God? Or do you have a burden without prayer? This is why we start every year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Prayer is the priority here at Pinewood Church. We see in Nehemiah, what did he start off with? Prayer and fasting. Every movement in all of history, if you study movements of God, every single one began with prayer and fasting. People radically seeking God's face. Fasting is not this thing that we do that we brag about, that we tell others, like, guess what, I'm gonna eat in 18 days. Look at me. It's not what fasting is. Fasting is giving of something that is either a, a habit in your life, something that's drawing attention away from God, or something that you depend on, and removing it from your life to say that instead, I'm gonna seek God's face. I'm gonna seek his direction for my life. I'm gonna see what new rhythms he wants me to set, what new habits he wants me to create. And it's seeking God in prayer and fasting. It's the most important thing that we can do. Pastor Shadonke said, the three biggest weapons that we have is prayer, fasting, and worship. The three biggest weapons we have is prayer, fasting, and worship. So I wanna encourage you today, if you have a burden without prayer, commit to 21 days with us. They say if when you commit to 21 days, it's the, it's the best way to start a new habit. And our prayer isn't that it's just the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Our prayer is that that's the catalyst in the beginning of the year that launches you into a rhythm of prayer and fasting. That every single week you're saying, okay, I'm not going back to that anymore. It's not nearly as good as the presence of God. And I hope you'll join us. Find out more information on our website. We're gonna do uh, daily encouragements at noon that just kind of help you stay in the game and put some people around you. Don't tell everybody, but tell a few people around you, hey, I'm fasting from this. And it's a good little accountability for people to walk with you on the journey as you seek God. Last is prayer and a burden without action. All right, this is prayer and a burden without action. You ready for this? And there's, imagine that there's hot lava underneath me, okay? A great chasm where I could die. This is prayer without action. You got a burden. You're gonna see God's face on it. And I'm just gonna plant my life right here. Yeah. People are like, man, you, you talk a lot about that burden. Man, that's my, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about human trafficking, man. Like, that's my thing. I've met so many people like this. I keep coming back to that one because... We're passionate about that as well, but I'm so passionate about that thing. Five years later, like, hey man, what have you been doing? Man, I'm passionate, I'm still passionate. You're in the same place you've been for five years. You haven't traveled to where that's happening. You haven't prayed for what's going on. Even if you're praying, you're still not moving. This is why I love Nehemiah. Nehemiah isn't just a person that said, oh, my heart's burdened. And I mourn and I pray and I fast. I really hope somebody steps up and rebuilds that wall. In the meantime, I'm gonna be over here praying and fasting and I'm gonna be sad. Aren't you glad that's not what Nehemiah did? Yeah. Nehemiah said, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek God's face in prayer and fasting and, and I'm gonna wait on the Lord. And, 
And then at the right time, I'm gonna have a meeting with the king. And, and what I find so interesting is that it was four months later, not the next day, it was four months later that he has this meeting with the king in Nehemiah 2, verses one through six. He says, during the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, he took the wine and he gave it to the king. I'd never been sad in the king's presence because especially in his position, if you came before the king sad, then you would lose your life. And so the king said to me, why are you sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. I was overwhelmed with fear and I replied to the king, may the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king asked me, what is your request? This is, this is him taking action. He said, so I prayed to the God of the heavens. You see, even in the subtle moments, he still didn't neglect prayer. Even in the small moments, I mean, can you imagine if we lived our life that way, where before we responded even to people of something that we're passionate about, we were like, okay, God, what do you want me to say? Okay, yeah, all right. That's what he does. He's like, as I, as I, he shoots one up, if you, want, if you want to call it that way. He's like, I need a little help here. All right. So I pray to the God of the heavens and answer the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild, rebuild it. The king, granted, he's asking a king, he's a slave, he's asking his king if he can go rebuild his walls of uh, Jerusalem, and he's a slave, all right, I want you to understand that. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor, send me to Judah. This is the same, this is the same king who stopped the building of the temple just a, a few decades later. I mean, this king was not all about like, hey, let's bless the Jews, okay? Your servant has found favor with you. Send me to Judah, so the city where my ancestors are buried, so that I may rebuild it. The king, with the queen seated behind him, asked me, how long will your journey take, and when will you return? So I gave him a definite time. How did he know? Because he had a plan. I gave him a definite time and it pleased the king to send me. It pleased the king to send me. You see what happened here? Nehemiah got burdened. He sought God's face in prayer and fasting. He approaches an impossible situation. And what does God do? Grants him so much favor that it says that it pleased the king to send him. He not only said, you can go, meaning I don't have my cupbearer anymore. The request came in deep. He said, oh, by the way, like I kinda don't have money. And the king was like, okay, I'll provide, I'll provide money. I'll provide wood for this. I'll, provide, I'll write a letter to provide a passageway for you to be able to go. Went above and beyond to do the impossible. Why? Because we believe that God can do more in a second of prayer than we can do in a lifetime of our own effort. Do we believe that he could have approached the king? Yes, how do, we, how do we know what that response would have been? We'll never know. But I believe with all of my heart that the reason he found favor is because he saw the face of God. When you move where the spirit leads in the direction that God is calling you to, you move in the wind of God's favor. When you say yes and you're obedient to where the Holy Spirit is leading, it says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He's not gonna start you on a journey. Huh. All right. He's not gonna start you on a journey 
bring you half of the way and make the board break underneath you. That's not the God that we serve. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Now, does it mean that this is not scary? Yeah, I'm terrified, okay? All right. Your confidence on the journey that God is calling you to from where you are to where he's calling you to go, your confidence is not in your own effort to get up to the other side. Your confidence is in who God is. You see, a bridge doesn't have to be big to be significant. It doesn't have to be beautiful to be useful. This is not the most beautiful bridge you've ever seen, okay? It just has to be trustworthy. And I can promise you right now, there is no, woo, boom. There is nothing more trustworthy than our God. So I wanna encourage you today, build a bridge. Build a bridge. You know, we talked today a lot about prayer, and that's God's sovereignty over your life as we seek his presence. Next week, I want you to join us for the second part of building a bridge, which is the process. You see that the tension I talked about in the beginning of there's, there's God's sovereignty, so we seek the heart of God and we pray, but then there's also a process of action where you have to actually take steps and you have to take ownership and responsibility for the calling that God has on your life. And we're gonna look at Nehemiah's life in chapter two next Sunday, and we're gonna unpack how you can put some proper, some biblical steps so that you can take action to go from where you are to where God is calling you to do. But the first step is prayer and fasting. So if you would, go ahead and stand up. We're gonna have uh, a final song, and in the song of response, I always like to invite everybody. If there was something that God spoke to you about, specifically to you, maybe it was the first part where we talked about you have uh, no burden. You have a prayer, but you have no burden. Then I wanna encourage you today, ask God for a burden. Ask God for a people to reach. Ask God for a cause to get involved in and pursue. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying you have a burden, but your prayer life isn't where it should be. And during this time of worship, I want you to commit to God. I'm gonna stick to 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've never prayed and fasted for 21 days before. I want you to commit to 21 days of prayer and fasting. And maybe you're here today and you say, "I've, I've been praying and I have a burden, but I've never taken action. And say, this week, 2020 is gonna be my year. I take a first step and I have a conversation. I make an investment and I get involved in the very thing that I say I'm so burdened about. We'll pray and then we'll end with a song of response. God, we're thankful. We're thankful so much for your word, for the truth of your word, for Nehemiah, the way that he had such courage to go before the king, filled by the power of the spirit. Father, I pray that we can have that same courage. Father, give us a burden today, something that we weep over, something that breaks our heart. Father, make us people of prayer today. Pray that we commit to these 21 days of prayer to seek your face and that you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.